Ephesians chapter 5 for a moment. (laughs) We are looking at being spirit-filled. In the context that comes out of chapter 4, verse 1, the worthy walk. And the worthy walk is uh, based on verse 18. If you would, please follow in the reading of the Word of God. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Lord, we love you. I pray now that you will teach. They will not hear me, but they will hear you. And that, Father, the authority and the power of your word and the movement of the Spirit in your people will be done in such a massive way that, Father, there is a great hallelujah as your bride becomes united as one, and Father, as your bride walks in the power that spoke existence into being. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. We are looking at being spirit-filled. We saw that there was a contrast there in that first part of verse 18, But then there is a command, and in the Greek context, we see that it's an ongoing thing. Keep being filled over and over. We are asked to do a lot of things in Scripture. One of the things that I have found frustrating as a pastor is that people think that they can go do it. And you try to explain to them, You're going to live your life based on the size of your God. Okay? If we think about it, how big is our God? So our God is that big that the waters will fit in the hollow of his hand and the span of his hand is creation. That's big God. But he also knows the hairs on our head. He knows when the sparrow falls. He knit us in our mother's womb. He knows the day that our faith will become sight. The very second. That is our God. So what makes you think the things that you've got going on that he would ask of you in this life, he has not given resource for? And yet I see a lot of Christians... I don't know if their God just is inept or he just winds everything up and walks away and he's waiting for the conclusion. I don't know what it is. But when I think about my God, he's never asked me to do more than he has not prepared me to do. Not only has he prepared me, he's empowered me to do it. So I showed you the meaning of this contrast, being drunk with wine, is was the normal way that the pagan religions would uh, 
commune with God. It was done through uh, intoxication, wine. And then they learned that if you did opiate also, that would allow you to consume more wine. And all of this would lead to a frenzy. And in that frenzy, you would be united with whatever deity you thought you were chasing. Okay, but the, the means of this is that we are to be spirit-filled. And I shared with you what that means. The word filled in the original language has to do with what would happen to a sail when the breeze caught it. It would fill up. And it would be guided along by the breeze. That's what it means to be filled. It has to do with being controlled by, led by, instructed by. Okay, and then the next one is the Spirit. The Spirit. And we began a few weeks ago looking at when you are Spirit-filled, there are consequences. You know what that means? It's seen. It's amazing to me. If you would have been hanging out in Jerusalem shortly after Pentecost, you would have known this man, Paul. And Paul had a zeal. And he was going to stop this thing called the way. And he got him a handful of arrest letters. And he says, I'm going to Damascus and I'm going to arrest these people who are promoting this blasphemy. He went to Damascus. He wasn't seen again for a while, but when they seen him again, they realized he had changed, right? And there was no doubt in your mind that he had changed. You look at Peter, the night of Jesus' arrest, he denied Christ three times. Then at Pentecost, he walks into the temple and says, you men of Jerusalem who murdered Messiah. And they were pierced to the heart and asked him, what must we do to be saved? You know what that's telling me? It was visible. That change was visible. And I get into trouble at times when dealing with different situations that I ask people, are you saved? And usually the response is it makes them angry. But uh, I'm doing it for their eternity. Because if I'm asking if you are saved, what I'm saying is I don't see it. Okay? Did you leave it in another suit? Did you hide it? Because... If we are wholly set apart from this world, then it should be very, very obvious. Okay? I told you I have some family back east. And uh, <laughs> my, my one cousin called, it's her brother. And uh, we talked for about an hour uh, discussing this uh, situation and you know I was trying to encourage her she's a believer I was trying to encourage her 
And it was about an hour, and we got it done. I said, Deb, let me pray. She said, all right, so we pray. And in the middle of praying, she starts crying. I can hear her crying. And uh, that's just one of those things. I, I, I don't like making people cry. But I started crying. And so when I get done, I said, uh, you know, I'm sorry to make you cry. She says, you know why I'm crying? And I said, no. She says, I never thought you would ever pray. <laughs> okay. So there's a change. There has to be a change. And I showed you, and we started working through that, there are going to be some consequences with ourselves. There will be some consequences with God. And there will be some consequences with believers. I would also add, and it's not in your outline, because I just thought of it, with consequences with unbelievers. Okay? If you really think about it, unbelievers, believers, God, and yourself, then what relationship is missing? None. So if I'm spirit-filled, it affects every relationship that is in our life. Being filled is led by the Spirit. It's fascinating. Do you realize that the whole Christian walk is hinged on verse 18? And just the second half of 18. Be filled with the Spirit. And I showed you in the Greek language, keep being filled with the Spirit. It's a, it's a moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. Okay? Anyway, the message last week stirred up some questions. I received some emails. I had some people ask me after the service. I've had some people that I've seen during the week have asked me some questions. And they said, how do you know that you're spirit-filled? On Wednesday night, we were looking at Elijah, and we learned that God is a small, still voice. He doesn't always go around blasting mountains. He doesn't always go around with great balls of fire. Sometimes it's just a small, still voice. So how can I know as a believer in Jesus Christ that I am spirit-filled? We've already looked at it. You cannot be saved without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, okay? It's impossible. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not His. All right, and I mean, you don't have to be a deep theologian to, to understand that. So I'm going to take a trip with you. How can I know that I am spirit-filled? The Gospel of John in chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 is called the Upper Room Discourse. It's kind of like the summary that Jesus has given his disciples for some events that are going to happen in the future, his arrest and execution, but also things that will happen shortly thereafter. But... If you go through those chapters, Jesus uh, promises many things in those chapters. All right? And if you're really honest with yourself, he promises some incredible things, to say the least. But there's a key, a key to these promises. 
And it's the same that I've just we've been looking at in the letter to the church in Ephesus. It has to do with the coming of the Holy Spirit. I taught on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit many years ago here in the church. I think it took me about four and a half years. So I hope you guys ain't hungry. No. I taught it to the Russians and the Azeris, but I was doing it eight to nine hours a day for six days. I'm not going to take that much time. It's called pneumatology, study of the Spirit. Jesus said in the coming of the Spirit. I want you to remember this. Okay, we're going to get into some theology. Every promise Jesus ever gave, especially on this last night, received its fulfillment in the coming of the Holy Spirit. Got that? First thing that happened to Jesus when he came out of his water baptism was what? Holy Spirit came upon him as a dove. When he was doing miracles, who did he say was the power? Holy Spirit. Why would we neglect him? Why would we ignore him? Why would we not want to be spirit-filled? So for a pastor's perspective, when you have the congregation saying, how can you know you're spirit-filled? That's encouraging. Let's go to step two. Listen, we know God is one, correct? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. We also know that one God is in three distinct persons. Okay, you will hear the word Trinity. And the JWs and Mormons and all the rest have it say, Trinity's not in the Bible. And I love it because I'm one of these guys when they knock at the door, come in, I have questions. Okay, and I always go after the non-existent Trinity. (laughs) All right, it's a mystery, a mystery of the triune God. You know, and I've heard people try to explain it to me in all kinds of really goofy ways. You know, it's like water. You got steam, you got wet, and you got ice. I said, not at the same time, because <laughs> the Trinity is the same time. Okay, so anyway, God is one, yet He is individually God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right? So then, when I look at that perspective, God makes promises through Jesus Christ, which are confirmed to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Do you understand that most pastors don't understand that theology? Pastors don't understand that theology? Okay? And yet, it's easy to read. I mean, I don't, the prayer in, in Ephesians 3, may you be strengthened with power, strength in the inner man, that Jesus Christ may dwell in your hearts and you'll know the love that surpasses knowledge and the fullness of God be in you. That doesn't sound that complicated. (laughs) Okay. But I do remember that Paul had to pray for that. It wasn't say, hey, I can let you have this and you've got it all figured out and I'll go on your merry way. So, 
God in His Spirit is making His promises good. So the Spirit of God is God Himself. Got it? It is the coming of the Holy Spirit into the life of the Christian that makes real all the promises of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did amazing miracles. I was reading Edersheim, and Edersheim says, For all intents and purposes, disease and death ceased in Palestine for three years. Okay? So then, in John's Gospel... Chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Verse 17. That is the helper, spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be In you. Did you see that? He is with you. And when God sends him, he will be where? In you. You know what they call that? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Paul speaks of it in Romans 8. Right? These guys had a little fear turned up. I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to leave you here. But I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And, oh, yo, yo, slick. Come on, man, wait. (laughs) We've been through the ringer here. God's design for the New Testament era. The Holy Spirit has been with you. But he shall be in you. This is the New Testament. You do not see in you in the Old Testament. The reason that Samson got conquered was why? The Holy Spirit left him. Wasn't in him, but he just wasn't hanging out with him anymore. So, that is the promise of the New Covenant. After Pentecost, the Spirit of God would not just be with his people, and it literally means alongside but he would be in his people. That becomes the thing which makes it possible for all of the other promises. All right? If the Spirit of God does not take up residence in them, all the things Jesus has promised can't be fully known or received. Okay? John's Gospel Chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in me also. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may also be. Okay? And you know the way where I'm going? Yes. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know that way? And Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
So salvation comes and dwelling in the Spirit comes and you have security in what happens in heaven. I have a room waiting on me. I have a room. I have eternal security because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's kind of cool if you think about it. Jesus is promising heaven. He's promising many rooms. I'm going away to make a place, and when I return, I'll come and get you. That's the promise. Okay? You have a guarantee. We've looked at this. Some of you have been with us a while. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 1. We have the promise it gives to believers the Erebon. The Erebon of the Spirit. All right? Literally, it's the earnest of the Spirit. Erebon means the guarantee. To use today's vernacular, he is the first installment, the down payment. He coming into the believer says, you have a room in heaven and Jesus will come and get you. And I promise in such a way, the first installment, the first down payment is the spirit of the living God in you, you now have security. Security. Some would even translate an engagement ring. When a gentleman gives a woman an engagement ring, he says, I promise to make you my wife. Sometimes. <laughs> when Jesus gives an engagement ring, He's coming. Christ is saying, I'm going to take you to heaven to be with me, to inherit my kingdom. As the first installment, as the down payment, as the engagement ring to prove this, that I'm serious about this marriage, I will give you the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the first thing a spirit-filled Christian has, security, confidence. When you have Doubt. Where'd that come from? Somebody let the wind out of my sails. I'm not being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes our guarantee. He is our security on an eternal inheritance in the kingdom of God. If there is no Holy Spirit in us, we would not have that security. To know that Christ would fulfill His promise. I know emphatically, as I know anything right now, Jesus Christ is coming back for me. Okay? I don't know when. But I know emphatically He's coming for me. That's why I don't really care much about health problems. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. So, I mean, you know, if he wants to take me now, so be it. I mean, I've traveled in some really nasty places and people says, doesn't that bother me? Nope. Well, why not? Well, I, 
You know, you're flying, and I was like, you know what? If God wants me to die in an airplane, he'll drop one on my head. I I don't understand what the big deal is. Well, do we understand? How much security do you have in that? Do you understand as a Christian, death is a reward? Think about that for a second. Well, wait a minute. I'm not ready to go. I remember talking to a guy, Bible solid. Well, I don't want to go. I haven't been to the Caribbean. I hope he waits. And I was like, I've been to the Caribbean. I hope he doesn't. Okay. I, I remember with Spiros Zodiades, we were down at the Royal Gorge. We were looking out at it and I said, hey, Spiros, isn't that beautiful? And he says, what would it be like if it wasn't touched by sin? Oh, man, come on. I'm down here to relax, not think hard. John 14. So the first is eternal security. John 14, verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. Greater works than these... He will do because I go to the Father. Did you get that? Second guarantee. Christian filled with the Spirit will do greater works than Jesus Christ. Okay, now listen. It's not greater in kind. It's greater in extent. Jesus never traveled more than 70 miles. Okay. Do you realize that my ministry has covered more miles than Jesus has ever got close to? Eight times to Russia, three times Azerbaijan, once to Republic of Georgia, to Israel, to England, to Germany. Jesus never covered that much ground. So he's already in my life, he's already answered it. Greater works. The breadth of our works will be greater than those of Jesus Christ. All right? Jesus never really went that far. And all of us, even you coming from Littleton to Castle Rock, almost farther than Jesus. His one long trip, he was an infant, he went to Egypt to hide. With mom and dad. Because I go to the Father, you'll do greater things. How can I do greater things if he's in heaven? Thought you'd never ask. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. The word witnesses there, you know what the root word in the Greek is? Maraton. You know what that is? It's where we get martyrdom from. You know, as Christians gave meaning to dying for your faith, and became martyrs. So you will be my martyrs, both at Jerusalem, all of Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. We have opportunities right now in far east Russia. Okay? 
for the gospel. Now it is a, it is a unique, unique mission field. Okay? But the doors are open. Do you realize that that's the end of it? Everywhere else the gospel has been presented? I mean, think about that for a second. That's amazing to me. You will receive power when Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll go to Jerusalem and Judea. And I look at that in Samaria. Jesus already did that. But the other most parts of the earth, this fulfillment, Jesus did Jerusalem and Judea. You will do it to the uttermost parts when the Holy Spirit does what? Comes upon you. Do you realize who he's talking to here? Every single one of us. You know, when I, I tell people that, you know, I've been here or there or whatever, it's the church. I don't have a mission. I'm not a missionary. I'm a brother in Christ. And the church comes together and says, here's a door. Let's use it. And that's what we do. If you go look at the, the, the ministries that we support, it's all for teaching teachers. We want pastors. We want pastors who are diligent in rightly dividing truth. Why? In the power of the Spirit, a rightly divided truth does what? Increases the kingdom of heaven. We go to places that Jesus never went. You know, I find it fascinating. I was in Israel in early 2000. And uh, the Jewish people are not interested in the gospel of the United States. And that's what they'll tell you. They said, because you have no idea what suffering is. I'm like, eh, whatever. So I sat down and smoked a hookah with my bus driver. <laughs> and he says, why aren't you trying to get me saved? And I was like, I can't save anybody. And he's already heard it. I mean, he does tours and all these other things. But I taught 30-some pastors eight or nine times in Orel, Russia. Taught the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of God, doctrine of Jesus Christ, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, a few other odds and ends. Okay? In that group, I didn't know, were some Jews, Jewish Christians, who immigrated where? Back to Israel. You know what they're doing? They're teaching the very things that this congregation taught to the Jews, and the Jews will listen to the Russians because they suffered for their faith. I don't know about you, that kind of cool. I'd like to tell you I planned that, but those who know me well, he can't plan on what time to get up, but... Uh, Fulfillment is dependent on the Spirit of God in us. Or we cannot be witnesses. If you cannot be a witness, you will not have security in your inheritance in the kingdom of God. That security, that guarantee, and the ability to witness for Jesus Christ all come from the Holy Spirit. Here's a really good one that you should uh, kind of dwell on. 
John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I don't know about you, that's incredible. All right? Again, Jesus Christ is giving every believer a resource of prayer. And listen, I don't know about you. Isn't it hard to do? To pray in Jesus' name? Isn't it? I don't, as a pastor, I get asked to pray for a lot of things. And you know what? There's a whole lot of things I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know. Okay? I always pray to myself that His glory is seen. But I also know what Romans 8 says. When we do not know how to pray, as we should, we do know, when it's, when it, listen, when it says pray in His name, the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how to pray in His name, I don't know what God wants to do in this situation. I mean, I can keep it simple. He wants people saved and people sanctified. Got it done. Okay, and I know that's what he wants. But if you've got somebody who's suffering from a terminal illness, and does God want him healed? I don't know. I don't know. I was sitting with my friend. He's the best man in my wedding. And uh, he had his in bad shape. And it was me and him and his wife. His wife is an unbeliever. And he was a firecracker. But he had health issues, bad health issues. A lot of stuff he'd carried home from Vietnam. And they were going to get ready to go in and do this procedure. And they said he'll either survive this procedure and make a slow but steady recovery or in a killing. And I, I know the passion of this man's heart for his wife to be saved. So it's me, him, and her sitting there. And, uh, you know... And, I was doing my typical sense of humor and whatever. And uh, he said, can you pray for me? And I said, yeah. I said, what would you have me pray? He said, if I can't come back to the church and serve in the capacity that I am now, God would take me home. His unbelieving wife standing right there. God took him home. I didn't know how to pray. How do you pray? What do you pray? But the Holy Spirit interceded on this fool's behalf. Because you know what I found out about the Holy Spirit? He knows the mind of God. I'm still working on it. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us because He knows the mind of the Father. And that verse is not fully fulfilled if not for the indwelling of the Spirit. Continuous intercessory work 
to the very throne of God by the spirit of the living God, knowing the very mind of God on our behalf. So, give you some facts. Spirit-filled. We are secure in our heavenly inheritance. Doesn't matter what I go through here, I'm going to be the one dancing in the streets of gold. Okay? The fact that we will do, secondly, the fact that we will do greater work than the Lord did in the extent if you are filled with the Spirit. The fact that you can ask and receive all dependent on the indwelling Holy Spirit. In verse 18 of chapter 14, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come. Then verse 20 says, In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. What day? Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit come upon the young men in that uh, upper room, there was no doubt in anybody's mind what had happened. Okay? No doubt. And they remembered. Jesus said, I will send what? My Spirit upon you. They understood the prophecy of Joel. I will pour out my spirit and your people and your daughters and your sons will prophesy. Says, I'm going away, but I'll be back. And you'll know Emmanuel while I'm gone. Do you remember that? You will name him Jesus? He will be Emmanuel. At the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you know what you got? God with you. God with you. Remember what Jesus said in the Great Commission? Lo, I'll be with you on Thursdays. No, I will be with you Always. Why? My spirit is in you. Fulfilled in the coming of the spirit. The guarantee that God lives in me. I am not an orphan. I am not lonely. I'm not isolated. I do not need assistance. God is in me. But he's in every child of God. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor fearful. If you are filled with the Spirit, you know how I can tell? You have the peace of Christ. Now let me ask you a question. What do you think out there in creation can still Jesus' peace? 
when you're in control of everything, how do I lose my peace? When you see everything is working exactly as it's planned in eternity past, how do I lose my peace? Doesn't matter. You can't steal his peace. Now let me ask you a question. What steals your peace? And he tells you right there. Fear. Fear. Look at the greatest tool man has ever used to subjugate people. What is it? Fear. I'll make you fearful. But if I'm a child of the Most High God, the living God, the creator, sustainer of existence, I have what to fear. Therefore, I have the peace of Jesus Christ when I'm walking controlled by the Spirit of the living God who is in me. Isn't that cool? I think that's awesome. Peace. I remember running around doing this. And it didn't accomplish a thing. Jesus is peace. In 1511, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Again, what steals the joy of Jesus Christ? For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Now to me, that's just, what? Huh? A cross of joy. Yeah, man, that's, but you know what he was doing? He's redeeming us. What joy is there in redeeming that that had been lost? So I have the peace of Jesus Christ. I have the joy of Jesus Christ. And in chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, I have the love of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's not so hard, was it? I didn't get an amen out of that. Brothers and sisters, how do you know if you are spirit-filled? I have security, and it's guaranteed. And it's uh, there's an old song uh, a guy named John Prine wrote, and it talked about, you may see me tonight with an illegal smile. And of course, everybody said, well, that's doing drugs. No, what it was, was when he was in an annoying situation, he would start thinking about something that wasn't annoying, water skiing or fishing or something like that. And he'd sit there and smile no matter how annoying the people were. If I have the guarantee of the streets of gold and a room in my father's house, a mansion that Jesus has prepared for me, I'm going to have an illegal smile. Okay, I will do more in extent of pushing the gospel globally than Jesus did. If I am filled with the spirit. I will have the peace of Jesus Christ when I am filled with the spirit. You know, I remember I was at the Caucasus Mountains. We were going up this pass. I was supposed to be going up to share the gospel with some Chechnyans, which 
after I did my research on that, after I got back, I was like, well, I didn't, God stopped me. But we came around a corner, and there was two Russian armored cars sitting across the road. And I was like, I don't think that's right, because I'm in the Republic of Georgia, and that's Russian. And uh, so they asked for our papers and all the rest of it. I get my passport and listen to it. I know enough Russian that I can tell when I need to run. And so I'm just listening and, and kind of figuring it out. And it dawned on me that I had this wonderful peace. You know, because the thought cruised through. I said, you know what? I can vanish from the planet Earth right here. And there's nobody has any idea where I went. But there was a piece there that said, it's all right. And that's the only way I can describe it. When I came to salvation, I was in a very, uh, uh, very bad place. I was looking at a minimum of 20 years. I got down on my knees in my little public housing place. And I said, man, I have just messed this up. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I had this peace that came on me that says, and I didn't make a deal. You know, if you get me out of here, I'll walk on water or something. It was just that easy, and I had a peace that said, you know what, it don't really matter what happens. I'm good. That is the peace of Jesus Christ. I have a joy that is not based on happenstance. Happiness is based on happenstance. Joy is like, yeah, <laughs> this is all right. I had joy. I did a message at the Glasgow village. And the Russians have dinner after every worship service. And they had this crab salad to die for. Man, I woofed that down. It was so good. It was awesome. Until about 45 minutes later. And it dawned on me. Do you know how far you are away from anything that would produce a crab? And uh, I had a kind of a long drive to get back to my room. And when I finally got to my room and got my, anyway, I realized I still had joy of sharing the gospel with a bunch of wonderful people. But don't eat the seafood. Let me share with you. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Fruit of the Spirit is what? Second one. Where does that come from? Oh, fruit of the Spirit. Oh, where did that come from? When you were indwelled by the Spirit. Oh, where did that come from? The promise of Jesus Christ to send a helper. Oh, where did that come from? Uh, you see what I mean? Love, joy, peace. Guaranteed. It's fulfilled when the Christian is filled with the Spirit. Everything Jesus promises to a believer comes to pass because of the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. Do you understand why this is so important? You can have the best theology in the world. 
But if you are not spirit-filled, what are you? A dictionary. A spirit-filled believer has this thing going on around him or her that the world's going, what's up with that? We who are truly saved have the resources John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own initiative, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. Verse 14. He will glorify Me, for He will take of mine and will disclose it to you. A spirit-filled Christian is the the spirit is the channel through which the promises of Christ come to every believer so it is revealed to us by the spirit of God through his word and through the teaching of the saints that God places in our lives. When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you. Note this. He will glorify Christ. Okay? Too much of this out here is glorifying the Holy Spirit and or the man or woman. True working of the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ. He will take of mine... And we'll disclose it to you. Where do we get it? From the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the channel. If not for the Spirit of God, the promises of Christ will not be fulfilled. If you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but you can say, I pray and nothing ever happens, then I can say, we are not filled. You are not being led by the Spirit of God. All of this is ours because of the indwelling spirit. But it is only engaged, it only functions in our lives when we are filled. This potential is in every single believer in Jesus Christ. But it only functions when the believer says, I must decrease, he must Increase. I need to get out of the way. All Christians possess the Spirit of God. All Christians are indwelt by the Spirit of God. All of the potential of the promises of Christ are there for every Christian now. But, unless we are controlled by the Spirit, you'll never experience it. And you know what? I have been around a long time. I have uh, walked with the king for about 35 years. I've been a senior pastor here for over 26 years. And I have dealt with all kinds of different weird issues. I have seen people that I've seen in the church longer than I was old. 
that when they were facing their mortality, they were freaked out. Absolutely freaked out. But I thought, how can you, how can you be that way? Now, I didn't say that to him. But I was like, how, how can you be involved in the body of Christ for decades and not be any stronger than that? How many Christians are sitting in this room right now are struggling with peace, with joy, with love? I don't struggle with love. Yeah? Got any unforgiveness? That's a love problem. You got the peace that surpasses understanding, guarding your heart and mind, Christ? The joy? The joy of my salvation. I remember uh, Henry Puyntek, when he died, he had a joy and he was slipping away. I watched him, I watched him, I watched him. I got to read the book of Psalms to him. When I finished the last Psalm, he stepped into eternity. And you're just like, whoa. And he never had any anguish. He wasn't worried about it. He knew he was going to get to see his precious wife. And he said, this is going to be good. This is it. And you just sit there and you go, ah. Why is it Paul told the Thessalonians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope? If you're not guided, you'll never know or understand what it means to possess these tremendous promises. How many times can you say, yep, my prayer was answered? I remember praying for a phone call one time. And I get paged. You got to call line one. It was the person. I'm like, oh man, don't do that. <laughs> I should have went for the Mercedes. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? If you're having problems with your prayer life, ask yourself, who's guiding it? Listen, promises unfulfilled do not make them unmade. The promises are there. But again, it goes back to chapter 5, verse 18 of Ephesians. Keep being filled With the Spirit. God has given us Christ. In Christ we have miraculous promises. And they are ours when we possess them. So many never realize this. 35 years I have been walking with my king. Sometimes, sometimes I fall down and crawl around. But for the most part. So many I see that don't ever realize what it means to be spirit-filled and watch God's glory radiate unto Jesus Christ through this earthen vessel. So many I see who do not have a security in their life and or death. So many I never see the things beyond what they could dream possible. So many do not have prayers answered constantly. So many have the sense 
don't have the sense that God alive in you in its, in his fullness. So many do not have love and do not know the joy of Jesus Christ or the peace of Christ. And it won't happen until you are controlled by the Spirit of the living God. So, I just give you, how do I know if I'm Spirit-filled? I just give it to you. Okay? And I will show you that when you know the love of Jesus Christ in your soul, when you know the peace of Jesus Christ that surpasses understanding, when you know His joy and in you its fullness, when you know the security of every step I take, He has ordained. And the day that I step out of here is exactly when He wants to see me. When you start living in that, then you'll understand what Paul's telling you in chapter 5, verse 18. You know, we move into the next section that says, Wives are to submit to their husband as unto Christ. And every man knows that. It's pretty amazing. But you know what, ladies? Love you. You can't do it unless you're spirit-filled. Men, you gotta love your wives as Christ loved the church and wash her with the word. Love you guys. You can't do that unless you're filled with the Spirit. I can go through that whole list of stuff. Children can't honor their parents unless they are filled with the Spirit. You can't treat your employees right unless you are filled with the Spirit. Employees, you can't work unto your employer as unto Christ unless you are Filled with the Spirit. Should I go on? Not only that, you're forfeiting peace, joy, and love, gentleness, patience, and self-control. So is that better? Listen, I have watched this over and over, and I'm going to close with this thought. You can fly through the first five chapters up to verse 17, and then fly verse 19 to the end of the book. And you will never know the fulfillment of being led by the Spirit of living God. You'll know the rules. You'll know the theology behind it. But you can't do it without being filled. Okay? So, those people who were asking me, how do you know if you're Spirit-filled? There's your bucket list. I know. You're like me. I don't even know where my bucket's at. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Spirit of the living God. Thank you that you have sealed us eternally into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have nothing to fear here. We are protected from the evil one as long as we are sanctified by truth. Father, in that sanctification of truth, may we understand the spirit that indwells us is our master. We have been bought and paid for with a price. We are not our own. So, Father, I ask you now that you will help us to bow before you, to walk worthy, to walk in humility, to walk in love, to walk in peace and joy. Father, to walk in the light and walk in wisdom. 
that you've given each of us through your Holy Scripture and its author, the Spirit of the living God. Thank you. In Christ's precious name, amen.